welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. Learn market knowledge and best practices to lead your company's success. And, hey, that's whatever type of company you work with. And laugh, we do have to have some fun along the way. Well, hello, I'm Michael Bull, your host of the world of commercial real estate. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any commercial real estate questions or if you have any comments about the show, we do like hearing from you. Our phone number is 888-612-SHOW. Our email is info at com. Or reach out to us through your favorite social media. You'll find them all at the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're going to focus on the U.S. office market. The office performance numbers are in for the fourth quarter and, of course, for 2011 totals. So we'll see how the numbers uh, shaped up last year. We'll also look at the current trends in the market. We'll look at investment sales volume, cap rates, and the fundamentals expected to shape the market in 2012. We have some of the leading office professionals in the country here today, and we'll peer into the commercial real estate show, Crystal Ball. (laughs) We'll try to tell you what's going to happen. Well, let's start the show with Ryan Severino. He's senior economist with Reese. For more than 30 years, Reese has been a trusted provider of impartial commercial real estate performance information and analysis at the metro, submarket, and property level. On a monthly basis, Reese provides updated trends and forecasts of rent, vacancy, and inventory, and they cover apartment, office, retail, and industrial properties, and they do it up uh, into 200 metropolitan areas and more than 1,800 submarkets. Ryan, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Michael. Good to be back. Well, thanks for joining us. And, Ryan, let's get right into it. You know, how did the office sector uh, perform in the U.S. in 2011? You know, overall, it was an okay year for the office sector. Uh, However, the good news is that the market uh, began to recover in 2011 after struggling for a few years. Vacancy rates uh, had been rising since about the fourth quarter of 2007 until around the second quarter of 2011. But during last year, the national vacancy rate declined uh, by about 30 basis points. Additionally, we also saw that uh, asking rents were up about 1.6%, while effective rents were up about 1.9%. And that marked the first time that we saw rent increases on a calendar year basis since 2008. So while this was not a spectacular recovery, it it largely mirrors the performance of the overall economy and the labor market in 2011. Both of those uh, mounted a rather tepid recovery, and the performance in the office market was more or less congruous with that. And how about the fourth quarter? What, What happened there? You know, we we did see some improvement in the, in the fourth quarter, thankfully. It's part of uh, what I would consider to be uh, the sort of recovery trend during the year. We saw vacancy rates decline slightly, about 10 basis points. We saw asking and effective rents both up uh, about half a percent, give or take. And so it's really this the continuation of the trend that we saw during the calendar year, thankfully. Okay, well, that's good. Well, Ryan, what about Class A space? Did it perform differently than the market overall? Absolutely. You know, Class A space clearly outperformed uh, Class BC space during the year. Uh, The majority of the decline in vacancy that we observed uh, came from the Class A segment of the market. Uh, Moreover, we saw stronger rent growth from the A segment than the BC segment. So tenants clearly preferred uh, the higher quality space in 2011. You know, it appears that a number of them were capitalizing on how relatively low uh, rents were in the Class A space, and they were able to obtain you know, space that they might not have otherwise been able to, to get their hands on in a, in a stronger market. Well, it's a great time to upgrade your space, but make sure you can afford it because these rents might rise. Uh, was there a significant difference in central business district and the suburban office markets? 
You know, we observed something very interesting uh, in the office market in 2011 with respect to these two uh, sublocations. Initially, when the market began to recover earlier in the year, CBDs were recovering uh, while the suburban areas were still struggling. And this is this is really atypical of office market recoveries in that we usually observe uh, suburban areas recovering first, followed by CBD areas. However, uh, this reversal was due to the nature of the job creation that we saw. Because of things like uh, limited access to capital, smaller, more entrepreneurial firms, you know, which typically locate in the suburbs where rents are cheaper, were not the engines of job creation that they, they normally are during economic recoveries. It was really the larger organizations that were creating jobs uh, earlier in the year. And they tend to be less price sensitive about rents and a bit more concerned about location. But what we saw as the year evolved, the situation reversed. By the end of the year, we saw stronger absorption figures in the suburban areas than the CBDs. And unsurprisingly, you know, small business hiring ha- had begun to pick up. So a very interesting change that we observed during the course of the year. Yeah, that is interesting. Well, what about uh, core market performance versus the uh, smaller markets? You know, there was clearly a difference in performance between uh, what I would consider to be those major gateway markets and then some of the smaller, less uh, institutional markets. But even within that, the recovery in the office sector it was really being driven by uh, a select few markets. You know, for example, uh, only three markets posted uh, year-over-year asking rent increases greater than 3%, uh, San Francisco, New York, and San Jose. After those three, the rate of increase starts to fall pretty substantially. So we really had a separation between uh, winners and losers at the metro level in 2011. Okay, and Ryan, what's uh, what's the fundamentals here affecting the market? Uh, what's causing this? You know, I, I don't want to be prone to hyperbole, but I can't overstate the importance of the labor market on the office sector. And I know while this sounds kind of obvious at the macro level, if we think about how individual markets are performing, we can really see how labor, the labor market has uh, paramount importance. For example, if we think back to, to you know, what we just discussed, the best performing markets last year all had relatively strong labor market performance. You know, fin- for example, financial services in New York, uh, technology in San Francisco and San Jose, where every time I turn around, I hear anecdotes about how the technology companies are one-upping themselves to, to outbid for talent. Uh, so really the key is to get past the headline figures about the labor market and have a more nuanced understanding about what sectors of the economy are creating jobs and where those industries uh, and sectors really tend to cluster. Yeah, it makes sense. What are your predictions for the office sector performance for 2012? Uh, can you look in the crystal ball here? Can you see it? <laughs> you know, I really expect to see the office sector to continue to recover in 2012. Uh, I expect to see vacancy rates continue to decline. I expect to see both asking and effective rent growth uh, accelerate a bit relative to their performance in 2011. That said, you know, I I don't expect 2012 to be what uh, I would consider a a strong year for the office sector, just because I, I don't foresee a strong rebound and hiring in 2012. But that said, I do expect a better year than 2011 in terms of the office market performance and the labor market performance. So I would say anticipate a recovery, but let's keep our expectations in check. Okay, a little bit of a slow recovery, but recovering nonetheless. Well, Definitely. Let's ta- okay, let's talk about the office investment market. How did the investment market velocity fare in 2011 and, say, compared to 2010? You know, although transaction volumes remain depressed, 
relative to where they were before the recession, 2011 uh, was definitely a year of improvement for office transactions. Uh, all of the relevant metrics uh, trended in the right direction relative to, say, where the market was in 2010. Transaction volume was up. Pricing on a square foot basis was up, uh, and cap rates were down. However, you know the key characteristic about the transactions market in 2012 was that it was a very bifurcated market. Uh, the buildings that transacted were either very high-quality trophy or trophy-like buildings in the major gateway markets, or they were distressed assets that absolutely had to be sold. There was, you know, little to no consensus on pricing in between these two extremes. Incidentally, you know, most of the improvement in volumes and pricing that we saw came from the fact that high-quality assets, which you know tend to be the most expensive, dominated the dollar volume of transactions, and therefore the end result was you know, an improvement in pricing off of a relatively low volume. It's kind of akin to when one sees a big movement in the stock market, but there's very little trading volume supporting that. Right. So the best properties are selling, so that's going to drive the cap rates down overall, right? Definitely. And what do you expect to see for 2012 for velocity and for cap rates? Uh, you know, we expect you know, continued improvement in 2012. I think as fundamentals continue to improve, uh, investor sentiment will continue to perk up. Underwriting standards will loosen up a bit, and the capital markets will be a bit more conducive uh, to lending for office deals. So we'll still remain a long way from the, the heady days before the recession, but the marketplace uh, should continue to improve this year with increasing transaction volume, increasing pricing, and declining cap rates. As long as we don't get any kind of uh, idiosyncratic shock to the system, I don't see any reason why uh, the improvement shouldn't persist. Well, good. As a broker you're talking to here, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> well, how do you think the presidential election results might affect the uh, job market and the office market? You know, generally speaking, it, it, that's a little bit difficult to say, but what I would say is that anytime there's an election, certainly one that occurs during difficult economic times, there tends to be uh, some uncertainty regarding policy. And generally speaking, uncertainty causes organizations to remain in a at least a little bit more cautious, if not in a complete holding pattern uh, about things like hiring and business prospects until they really know what to expect. So I think whatever the outcome, I think once that uncertainty goes away, all else being equal, uh, it should be a benefit for the economy and the job market. Okay. And we're close on the break, but do you expect more distressed office properties to be available in 2012? Absolutely. Uh, you know, we're not out of the woods yet on these troubled assets. There are a lot of loans that were issued during the height of the boom in 2007 that were five-year term loans. They're going to mature this year. So as those assets uh, loans come due and a lot of them are underwater, uh, some of them will just have to default. I think the real key is to pay attention to the quality of the underlying collateral. The worse the quality of the underlying collateral else being equal, the greater the probability that these loans default and they trigger uh, some kind of, of distressed sale ultimately yeah we'll have to have an entire show on that and get you back and ryan severino thanks for joining us today my pleasure michael thanks for having me back on thank you and if you'd like more from reese their website and contact information is available for you at commercialrealestateshow.com well after a quick break we'll get more on the u.s office market i'm michael bull and this is america's commercial real estate show we'll be right back the commercial real estate show is brought to you by bull realty when your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. 
And by Babis, Neiman, Cornman, and Johnson. Quality and integrity best describe our accounting services. Visit bnkj.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate subjects or property sectors, check out our show podcast. We had a great show recently on social media for business. On another show, we covered ways to increase cash flows and reduce taxes with 1031 exchanges, cost segregation, and self-directed IRAs. If you're a commercial agent, be sure to catch two shows featuring three of the top four commercial real estate trainers in the country. You can hear these shows and other recent shows while they're available on iTunes and at the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're looking at the U.S. office market. Let's meet our guest. First, welcome Ken Ashley, Senior Director with the Atlanta office of Cushman Wakefield. Ken and his team specialize in office tenant representation. And uh, Ken is a CCIM. He's an SIOR, an Eagle Scout, and father of four. Uh, which was which was toughest there the, of those? <laughs> well, the, the the four kids continue to be the toughest thing we got going. <laughs> well, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, also, please welcome John Davidson, a principal with Parmenter Realty Partners. John is involved in the strategic planning of the company and direct Parmenter's investment acquisition, asset management, and investment sales in the southeast region. John, thanks for joining us. Morning, Michael. Pleased to be here. And David Tenery, principal, office properties and development with Regent Partners. David has been involved in the development of more than 5 million square feet in the U.S. and Latin America. David, thanks for joining us this morning. Pleasure to be here, Michael. Thank you for the invitation. Well, guys, we've heard about the national office performance in 2011 from Ryan Severino with Reese. Uh, How did the properties in your portfolio and the market areas where you work perform in 2011, John? Well, we saw a modest improvement across the portfolio uh, with dramatic improvement in a few markets. Uh, in particular, we have a property in, uh, in uh, Nashville that we stabilized and brought to uh, 95% occupancy. We have some properties in, uh, in Dallas that also uh, are, are inching towards stabilization. Okay. And, uh, David, how about at Region Partners? I think that's a consistent pattern within our portfolio as well. Ryan, uh, I think, may have read our, uh, when he, and doing the risk report, may have read our balance sheet uh, coming out of 2011. We certainly saw better performance on our core urban and high-end mixed-use assets than in the suburban market, but nonetheless, there was across the board uh, steady and moderate growth. And, Ken, uh, what have you seen from the tenant side? Well, from the tenant side, we recognize that uh, they kind of had a sale in real estate, which was nice of everyone. We appreciate it. And uh, we had uh, great activity, in fact, uh, in terms of our personal uh, activity, the best year ever. And I think that will continue. You know, they just uh, they had uh, great prices, and uh, corporate America took advantage of it and the opportunity to uh, reduce their costs. Okay. You know, the job market showing some improvement. Uh, we have an election year to deal with. What do you expect for property performance in the markets you work in 2012, John? Well, I think more of the same, uh, maybe a slight improvement. Uh, we do have an, a, a bit of a concern. Uh, Ken and his his group have done such a good job of, of early renewing and convincing people to early renew that uh, there's probably a little bit of slack in, in the uh, pipeline that uh, ordinarily wouldn't be there. Okay. And, uh, uh, David, what are you seeing in your properties? Well, I, I think uh, John makes a great point that there has been a, uh, a lot of activity in 2011 at the expense of 2012 and even 2013 in some of the core markets nationally. And so I suppose the good balance of that would be, the counterbalance rather, would be that with no new development to speak of coming out of the ground for at least the next 8 to 12 quarters, one would hope, 
uh, there'll be a bit of a balance as long as that slow and steady growth continues, then the backfill of that space that was bought out or early renewed will uh, will balance out. And Ken, what do you expect to see in 2012 for occupancy and performance? Well, I think the analogy we would use is that in 2009 and 10 we were in reverse. 11 was probably in neutral. We're finally going to kick it into first gear in, um, in 12 and beyond. And um, I think corporate America, we've got a, we've got a couple of things going on. Number one, we, we, as Ryan said, we've got a loans, a lot of loans that are maturing, so that's a problem. But we also have a lot of leases that are expiring that were done in five, six, and seven, two thousand five, six, and seven at very high rates. So while that's uh, not great for ownership, sorry guys, it uh, continues to be a great environment for tenants. And Ken, what do you expect to see in a Class A uh, product in twenty twelve? Is that continue to lead the way? Well, I, again, I think Ryan's right. There was a flight to quality in A. I mean, we sort of saw in our world a barbell effect. Um, mm-hmm. There, there were a lot of tenants who were taking advantage of, of upgrading and moving to A. And, and Michael, you're right. We need to go long in those environments because five mm-hmm. years will be here before you know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there wasn't a lot of activity in B, uh, and there was a lot of activity in C from some tenants that were trying to save money. So we we just saw that barbell happening. And John, what do you expect to see in Class A in 2012? And the rest I, of the market. I think it's uh, it's going to continue to be the the leader in in terms of the classes. Uh, it'll take probably at least another year and some some real rent increases to uh, to have an effect on uh, 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 and and move people into Class B and, and the lower quality product. Okay, David. I think I, I would agree with both gentlemen. I think that's the trend that we've uh, continued to see throughout uh, eleven, and it's going to move into twelve as well. What do you expect to see, David, as far as uh, central business district and suburban submarkets and the properties you work? Uh, I, I think in the properties that we work, we're going to continue to see more activity, more rate growth, and, and certainly a continued drop in the concession levels within the core urban markets. Uh, part of that I have to wonder also, listening to Ryan's comment from Reese's perspective for 2011, how much of that influence is currently the jobs that were created he referred to and Gen Y and Gen Y's demonstrate a desire, without a doubt, to be in more of a core urban walk-to environment. And uh, that's a trend that we all, on the development side, ownership and investment side, need to pay very close attention to. And Ken, what are you seeing on the tenant side? Where do these tenants want to be, suburban? or? Well, of course, it depends on, on who you are and, and uh, <laughs> if you've grown up yet. But, you know. <laughs> but I think pedestrian-friendly is certainly a theme. And technology, if you look at the industries that are growing, technology is growing uh, tremendously fast. And so they like that, you know, the proximity of amenities. And people are just getting fed up with, with traffic in America. So uh, moving closer in is uh, is not a bad thing. I think the other thing about if you look at the stats um, and CBD versus suburban, uh, CBD is at a better place. You know, we, we looked at vacancy uh, at the end of two, 2011 in CBD across America at 12% uh, compared to suburban at 18%. So statistically, CBD is at an advantage. And, Cam, you're trying to get these companies to grow and lease space. Uh, what's stopping them? What do they tell you? Why aren't they growing and expanding? Yeah, the flood factor, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. I mean, there, there is. And, and, and you combine that with the fact that corporate America has delevered, and they have lots of money on the balance sheet. And, uh, you know, as a practical matter, people are doing more with less. And, and as, as, you're, as a CEO, you're not going to hire just because you're a philanthropist. You're, you're going to hire because you can make money. And right now they're making a lot of money just as they are. And so what we're going to need for growth is opportunity, is uh, something that's going to say uh, a business case that that CEO says, yep, let's let's get some more folks in here. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the, the factors that are going to affect the U.S. market in 2012. Uh, what, John, what will affect the market, positively or negatively? 
Well, obviously more jobs is probably the most significant thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a, a strong signal from Washington, D.C., that that they're you know ready to deal with the problems uh, at, with debt and spending would also uh, be a you know great impetus to the, the economy. Yeah, I'd like to see some confidence. And, uh, Ken, what do you think uh, will affect these tenants' uh, lease in space in 2012? Well, I think there's a continued focus on on efficiency in space and workplace. You know, we call it density with dignity, trying to get more folks into into less space. You mean cram them in. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, But office space is still important. You know, there was this thought over the past five years that, you know, we could all work from our kitchen table, but that's just not reality. Uh, And and I think what we're seeing is that, uh, as Trex Morris of Ernst & Young says, that work is a verb, it's not a noun. Work is where you are at any given time in the knowledge worker environment. And uh, so we're going to see a lot of focus in corporate America on taking those knowledge workers who are very expensive and trying to make them more productive. Yeah. When I try to work at home my, on the kitchen table, my dog keeps biting me. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, my, and my wife has things she wants me to do, honey-do list. It doesn't work. I like to go to the office. Well, after a short break, we'll get more on the U.S. office market. If you appreciate the show, reach out to our sponsors. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. And by Babish, Neiman, Kornman, and Johnson. Quality and integrity best describe our accounting services. Visit bnkj.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like more great commercial real estate information, subscribe to the show blog and follow us on Twitter. You can find them both at the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're looking at the U.S. office market. My guests are Ken Ashley with Cushman Wakefield, John Davidson with Parmenter Realty Partners, and David Tenery with Regent Partners. Uh, guys, let's talk about the presidential elections and how that might uh, affect the job market and commercial real estate. Uh, David, what do you think? Well, you know, policy always seems to follow the office. Uh, and, and when we've currently seen policy that has just failed miserably. And uh, sorry to sound so politically incorrect, perhaps, but the reality is is that we've gone through now over two years of policy setting that has created more fear and uh, uh, and and uh, then it has freedom to grow your business. And until CEOs feel that they've got a level of confidence that they can grow their business, that they're not going to be overtaxed, that they're not going to have to deal with a whole different structure of tariff on international business relationships, uh, we're not going to see job growth. And uh, so I think the presidential election is great that it's happening this year. It's it's uh, it's got a lot of focus, uh, and it is going to have an impact, be it good or bad. I would say a re-election of the existing president and administration. Uh, is not going to be a good thing for real estate in any respect. And what bumper sticker do you have in your car, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> I have three. <laughs> and which one did you take off? <laughs> well, we definitely need a uh, pro-business administration to, to help with the job market, and that's going to help everybody in all industries. We'll talk about uh, which industries. Uh, what, which industry do you expect to produce the most demand in the next few years, Ken? You know, we, uh, we certainly see growth in, in four areas. Uh, the energy business clearly is taking off in the United States. Uh, technology is very hot, certainly on, on both coasts, in San Francisco and in New York and uh, in other cities. Um, healthcare, America is aging 
and there's a, there's a tremendous increase not only in medical office buildings but in software companies and all manner of uh, industries that support healthcare. The rest of America, but not us in the room. Right, right yeah, right, all of LA. <laughs> and then uh, education uh, is going to be a, a huge consumer space. And then in terms of the uh, locations, uh, right to work states, you know, to David's comment, you know, those that are business friendly and those states that have low or uh, no state income tax are going to get a lot of attention. And the incentives game continues to be uh, rich and robust. And, you know, corporate America is uh, just doing what it needs to do to. Uh, protect its bottom line, and those states that offer aggressive incentives are going to see uh, clearly more activity. Yeah. And, John, where do you expect to see the growth uh, industry-wise? Well, I think, you know, uh, obviously energy is still going to be a, a, a leading uh, uh, industry. I think uh, we're hoping to see some financial services uh, development as well. Okay. And, of course, this is different all over the country, this next question, but I'd like to talk about what types of incentives and lease packages are you seeing right now in some sample transactions you're involved in, John? Well, the, probably the biggest thing is we're still seeing uh, a lot of uh, hefty commissions paid. Uh, we're thank easy, you very easy. much. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, that's why Ken's sitting next to me. I think right. uh, kicking you. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we continue to see uh, tenants try and stretch the envelope in terms of the term. Uh, we went from you know five-year terms being normal to seven, then then ten, and now even fifteen-year terms, and commissions uh, were getting paid at least last year on the on the entire term. Hopefully, that's a thing of the past, but but we'll see. <laughs> what do you think, Ken? Uh, I don't think so, <laughs> David. What kind of lease packages you seeing? Well, but first, let me comment. I want to tell you, to John, you, you've been in the business long enough to know that trying to take a commission away from a broker <laughs> is tantamount to trying to take raw meat away from a pit bull. Yeah. I'm going to give you a bumper sticker. <laughs> so I, I would say commission uh, modifications are most likely here to stay. Uh, we certainly have seen and would anticipate continuing to see moderation of the insane levels of, uh, of incentives that were going on for tenants going through 2009, 2010. 2011 seemed to have a real shift in the paradigm of more reasonable tenant improvement allowances, uh, more reasonable free rent packages. But I would also agree that some of the free rent got extended as a result of tenants with, with well-represented tenants, good brokers recognizing that this ride will be over within the next probably six to eight quarters uh, as the markets balance out and tenants that can lock in now on a longer-term basis and can make it work within strategic planning to sign 10, 12, and 15-year terms are most likely very well served to do so. Yeah. Well, if, uh, the companies right now in America, they should be expanding and taking as much space as they can around America right now. Well, John, what are you guys doing uh, to uh, improve your property performance in the markets where you work? We've tried to improve our, our properties in a, in a variety of manners. Uh, most, most importantly, just efficiency. We've lead certified several of our properties throughout the portfolio. We have a, uh, uh, an internal team that, that uh, self-performs the lead cert certification. And where we haven't been able to lead certify, we've been able to at least improve efficiencies, uh, energy star ratings, et cetera. We've also focused on individual vacant spaces uh, and uh, and tried to improve those spaces so that they're ready to go, white boxed, you know, cleaned up. And also, we've built some spec suites uh, where we've we've got uh, uh, spaces that are just ready to build, ready to move in. Okay, well, those are some good ideas. And offering uh, big commissions to get those tenant reps headed your way, right? <laughs> there you go. Always, always <laughs> well, after a short break, we'll get more on the U.S. office market. I'm Michael Bull, and you're listening to the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. 
The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. And by Babish, Neiman, Kornman, and Johnson. Quality and integrity best describe our accounting services. Visit bnkj.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We have some incredible shows coming up, including fourth quarter market updates for each of the major property sectors. These market update shows will air for the next four weeks. We also have a show coming up on Twitter for Business. If you'd like to receive a once-a-week email to know about show topics, you're invited to sign up at CommercialRealEstateShow.com. Well, today we're looking at the U.S. office market. My guests are Ken Ashley with Cushman Wakefield, John Davidson with Parmenter Realty Partners, and David Tenery with Regent Partners. Uh, guys, I'd like to talk about the uh, trends that, that you expect to see in the office workspace in the next few years. Uh, what, what are you seeing out there, Ken? Sure. Um, well, cost-cutting is important, but productivity is the holy grail. So mm-hmm. we're in business to make money, not to cut costs. That's, that's not how you make your living. And uh, so, I'll try to remember that and yeah. make my people remember <laughs> yeah, <but. laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, driving uh, highly paid knowledge workers uh, to generate more revenue is what this is all about. So if you think about the kind of space in which that occurs, uh, we talked about the kitchen table earlier, but it's a space that creates collaboration. And if you've read Steve Jobs' uh, biography, he did a great job of talking about the Pixar space and, and having people uh, come together so that they could innovate. For example, in Pixar's headquarters, you know, Steve Jobs had a big atrium where everyone had to come together. He even put the restrooms there so people would see and talk and know what... That's a little too close for me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They they would know what everyone was working on and and what was happening. So it's about collaboration, it's about innovation, and ultimately, um, you know, driving revenues through your... You turn your space into a competitive weapon as opposed to just using it to cut costs. And, John, what are you seeing in the... Well, I, I think we've seen the same thing from our tenants. There's certainly been a heightened uh, focus on efficiency. I think uh, as a landlord, uh, our perspective is maybe a little too much focus, and they, there's very little room for expansion in most of our uh, uh, new tenant uh, spaces. So so we do see uh, as expansion or as tenants grow, there's going to be you know some constraints, and that, that may create some spikes down the road as, as uh, the economy does take off. It's going to be a bit of a, of a horse race to get to uh, – to get to whatever space is left. Yeah. We have three offices, and one of our offices uh, at least comes up in a year. Ken, uh, you'll be calling me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got that one, Michael. <laughs> and uh, I keep calling the landlord. You have at least that space next to me, have you? Uh, <laughs> every now and again. Well, let's talk about office investment sales. Uh, are you guys buyers or sellers in this market, David? Both. We're buyers and sellers. I'll look back to an example. In the first quarter of 2011, we sold a uh, core asset uh, in Atlanta in the Buckhead area that uh, was a market that seemed to get its teeth kicked in by the Wall Street Journal going through 2010. Uh, Yet that market I know in specific we watched because of the level of investment we have there. And that was one of the strongest office markets in the country in terms of its performance of absorption. Uh, that said, the building uh, was a half-million-square-foot mixed use with, uh, with some condos above, very high-profile. building went to Parkway Properties uh, in the first quarter of last year. And I'll let people look to the numbers within the, the Parkway website to see how they phrased the cap. But as a seller, it was a very attractive cap rate and a very attractive per-square-foot price. It was a great deal. Congratulations. Thanks. And tell us about Thanks. your criteria and what you're looking for right now. 
that we're looking for uh, for broken deals. And uh, I would tell you that probably our greatest frustration is I, I can look to at least 11 sizable transactions that we bid on and chased aggressively throughout the U.S. Uh, in this past year. And it is very difficult to buy. Uh, it's interesting to hear that the DICOM have a lot of assets. There's an awful lot of capital on the sidelines. I don't believe that's going to change for 2012. But there's been so much downward pressure on cap rates as a result of the limited number of assets that have come out, particularly core assets for sale, uh, that when those do come out, those numbers are driven so high, it's typically difficult to really make a true value-add play. So what you're seeing happen is more of the institutional buyers and the REITs, which have much, much uh, less expensive money, uh, thanks to the access to the capital or to the private uh, equity markets and the uh, public markets, uh, rather, that are buying those assets. Okay. And, John, at Parliament, are uh, you guys buying and selling? We are buying and selling. Uh, we have uh, four funds uh, active right now. We just raised, uh, uh, I think, $200 million so far for our fourth fund, which is out uh, actively buying. We have uh, three properties under contract as I speak. Uh, but we're also selling. We're you know, taking advantage of the, of the low cap rates on the stabilized product and, and trying to get our properties as stabilized as quickly as we can to get them out in this, in this environment. And, John, what are you seeing for cap rates on some of the properties the, that you're looking at? And buying? Well, it, it varies by market, obviously, mm-hmm. and, and, and quality. But certainly, you know, you're, you're back down to close to historic lows on the, on the cap rates uh, in, in the good market. David, what are some examples of cap rates you guys are seeing on some of the properties? When you look at the gateway markets, uh, you know, I'm talking about Washington, D.C., New York, Boston, in some respects, San Francisco, that they haven't yet quite taken the ride that they had in the past uh, as it relates to foreign investment. We've seen cap rate pressurization in core assets drop things down to uh, as low as the low fives. In one case, we even tracked the deal in D.C. that traded at a four cap rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's tough to make a lot of money in those deals unless you truly are a long-yield, long-buyer pension fund-oriented uh, type investor, or you've got foreign capital coming into the market, which you have some strategic tax advantage uh, to have placed here versus in your homeland. And, David, what do you expect to see in the next couple years for the velocity of investment sales and for cap rates? Well, I hope that they're going to increase, uh, both. <laughs> the velocity, without a doubt, has, uh, has the opportunity to, uh, to go uh, forward, and we need more velocity. And this goes well beyond uh, just the, accent, the, the transaction of real estate. I've got friends who have bought buildings, one uh, down in Atlanta in Midtown, a great building that was a former Bell South headquarters that was sold. Uh, the building, when you drive by that building, uh, the opportunity for job creation is very significant. Uh, the building sat empty, nearly empty, until a year ago when it was bought. If you drive by now, there's scaffolding on the exterior of the building from top to bottom, and there's people working to install new glass. If you walk inside the building, you've got crews working on elevator and fire life safety modernizations. You've got demolition crews ripping out old space and modernizing the building. You've got lead certification teams. And guess what? All those different acts have a full fallout of employment base. So that, that building alone probably has affected over 300 jobs in one market in one city. Yeah, it's a great time to invest in real estate, I think. Everybody give us a call, right? <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll have more office market information for you. If you appreciate the show, reach out and say hello. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. 
visit francemediainc.com. And by Babish, Neiman, Kornman, and Johnson. Quality and integrity best describe our accounting services. Visit bnkj.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. If you're looking for a good cause to donate to, check out Andy's Army. A commercial agent's daughter experienced serious brain injuries. His daughter, their family, and others in the same position could use our help. The nonprofit's mission is to provide assistance to children and their families who are receiving medical treatment and care for non-traumatic brain injuries. The website is Andes, A-N-D-E-E-S, and then Army. You can find the link at commercialrealestateshow.com or give me a call at 888-612-SHOW. Well, today we're looking at the U.S. office market. My guests are Ken Ashley with Cushman Wakefield, John Davidson with Parmenter Realty Partners, and David Tenery with Regent Partners. Uh, guys, let's talk about uh, the distressed market. David, do you, do you expect more opportunities in 2012? Well, there certainly would be more distressed uh, office assets hitting the street. I say hitting the street, that is going back to lenders and or servicers. When you look at the, the uh, CMBS pool, particularly in the level of expirations of those loans that occur going from 12 to 15, the numbers are somewhat staggering, uh, certainly mind-boggling, and from my perspective, very opportunistic. The real challenge is going to be how to get the banks and the servicers this time to begin to break loose with those assets as opposed to sitting on those and using the TARP money that were given as a Taxpayer Relief Act as opposed to truly the TARP that they're hiding things beneath. So we've <laughs> got to get the assets broken loose to get them back into production to create jobs and to create investment. That makes sense. And, John, do you expect to see more distress? Yeah, totally. We, we uh, in particular from the servicer side, the servicers have uh, were fairly readily uh, handing out uh, extensions to uh to their sponsors the first go-round. Unless those sponsors have gotten the, the building stabilized and performing, uh, they're not going to give a second extension. And I think the servicers are not afraid of the market this go-round. They're not afraid to, pro- to bring properties out because, as, as we just discussed, the, uh, the fundamentals have really improved. Yeah. And, David, what's the quick answer to where you think we'll see the most development in the next few years? I think we'll, we'll continue to see more development in, in the uh, health care sector, of course, as was mentioned earlier, education, technology. But from a geographic perspective, uh, when you look at what's happening, Texas really seems to be off to a running strong start, as does Florida and some of their major urban markets as it relates to office development. I I do believe that elsewhere in the country, office development will be extremely limited, uh, and natural as well as legal barriers to entries will continue to really ramp up uh, as we go forward with the new whole generation of worker and how they're looking at the kind of space they need and, and demand and the employers having to respond to. What do you expect to see in the debt and capital markets uh, for this year, David? Uh, again, capital seems to be really readily available. It, it is uh, wonderful uh, for probably the first time in 30-plus years of career uh, to be in the position where you have capital calling on you as opposed to having to go chase it down every time you're looking for a deal. That said, uh, the constraints to that capital are very real with respect to return demands. Uh, and uh, you know, we all really seem to be in this industry living in a much more real world than we ever have in the 30 years I've been involved in the industry as a result of the bloodletting that's occurred over the previous three or four years. What about the debt market? Debt market, it, it comes and goes. It pulls back, uh, you know, and it really truly is a deal-by-deal basis, uh, particularly for those of us on the entrepreneurial acquisition side and value-add side that you're out looking for your debt pool each time. Uh, certainly you're going to have to continue on the investor side to be prepared to put more equity into a deal 
and you better have a very strong execution plan if you're going to get your uh, your debt priced well. Okay, and I got some uh, closing questions for you. Ken, as a tenant rep, do you have some advice for landlords in 2012? Well, let's see. We got about 30 minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, you know, uh, these are both great landlords here sitting next to me. But uh, in general, I think dem- uh, landlords need to demonstrate stability in their capital stack. That's something tenants are focused on a lot. Uh, and provide flexibility because tenants are going to grow in the future. This We won't be in this. They call it a cycle for a reason, and we are going to grow. And then finally, it's what your mom said. You know, Do what you say you're going to do. And, John, David, quick tips for tenants and tenant reps? Well, I think get out there now. Uh, the market's going to turn, and, it, and I think it's going to turn on a dime because of what I uh, mentioned earlier, that there's just not a lot of expansion space left in the market. Yeah, I think you know. From my my counsel to tenant would be to really examine how tightly you can plan and go long as much as you can. Particularly if you're going to acquire an asset. If you're looking around today and there's not much space available in your building and or your project, there's going to be less next year. So plan plan for that. Good That's tips, correct. Well, Ken, John, David, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Mike. If you'd like more information, the contact information for everyone on the show today is available at commercialrealestateshow.com. Can you join us next week? Well, I hope so, and I promise you another informative show. Thanks for spending some time with us, and until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show.